BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. I uh, hope you're not feeling too nervous ahead of tomorrow's huge, tomorrow, I keep saying tomorrow to people, Wednesday's huge game against Manchester City in the Premier League. It's a a real big one. You know, for years and years, we've looked on at Manchester City going toe-to-toe with Liverpool, and those games have just been incredible to watch. And I've sat there with envy, looking on, thinking, when are my team going to be part of one of these big games? When are my team going to be in what stubbed as a title decider? I know it's a little bit early still, but, you know, it has that massive game feeling to it, doesn't it? And I'm I'm really excited about it. And we'll be bringing you a full preview, of course, of that game uh, on the channel, on the podcast tomorrow. But I just wanted to talk to you guys today a little bit about a debate that I've seen sort of raging on around social media. And it's a question that's been put to me a few times, actually, since the game against Brentford um, just the other day. Have Arsenal become a little bit predictable in their approach? Have Arsenal become a little bit easy to read? Have teams sussed out a way of stopping Arsenal's attack from thriving in the way that nobody could, you know, in the earlier part of the season and even as recently as three, four weeks ago? Is this a thing or is this people maybe panicking or overreacting off the back of a couple of disappointing results? We're going to get into all of that. Uh, on this edition of the show. And as promised, uh, we're going to spend a bit more time on you guys' questions and stuff because I didn't get the opportunity uh, to do it yesterday because I didn't feel up to it. Didn't feel very well. And um, yeah, I thought I'd just end up um, sitting there coughing my guts out for the entirety of um, of, a, of a podcast. But anyway, let's uh, let's say a few hellos. Um, and yes, I can see lots of you confused by the start time of this particular episode. It was supposed to be at 430 I got dragged into a, an important meeting, which I thought was going to finish in 15 minutes. So I quickly 
adjusted the time for 15 minutes and then it went a little bit longer. So I had to push this back even further. I know, worker. Um, but anyway, uh, let's say a few hellos. Uh, big hello to Marky, uh, to Creambone, to Mingin, who says, uh, first time ever catching Harry live. Welcome, mate. Um, good to see you. Uh, big hello to Matt, to Delisu, to Kartik, uh, to Henry Guna as well, to Amira, to Nav. Uh, to Adair, who joins us at Clock and Seb, and Steve, of course, as well as everybody else. Look, before we get into the question that we're asking today, which is, have Arsenal become a little bit too predictable? I just want to express the continued anger um, that I'm feeling, you know, off the back of the weekend's decision. And the more I try and hear, or, or the more I sort of listen to people somehow trying to justify it, or people telling me, oh, but, you know, Arsenal didn't play that well and Brentford deserves something. The more annoyed I'm getting, the more frustrated I'm getting, because it's this attitude that allows this type of incompetence to breed and then get a grip on our game. And once it breeds and grows and spreads, it's really difficult to eradicate it, because now you've got, you know, we're at a point today where we don't just have one or two bad referees. We've probably got five or six in what is supposed to be the best league in the world. And that is just simply not on. When I hear people making excuses for them, it drives me absolutely bonkers. It makes me want to pull my hair out. It makes me want to smash my head against the brick wall. There's there's just so much nonsense going around. And a big shout out to, to Kevin Campbell, a uh, friend of the show, personal friend as well, because he went on Sky Sports today. I'm sure a lot of you have seen the clip doing the rounds on Twitter. And he gave Dermot Gallagher what for. You know, he, he didn't hold back. He said it exactly how it is. He told them exactly how it is. And even after a, a shocking decision like that, Dermot Gallagher refuses to condemn or to criticise with the correct level of conviction one of his mates. And so what is the point in having Dermot Gallagher on the TV? What is the point in having Peter Walton on the TV? What is the point in having all these ex-referees clearly on the PGMOL's payroll in these positions to try and soften the stance towards referees when they get things wrong or to try and justify things. What is the point in having these guys? They never go against the referee. And when they do, they do it in the most diplomatic way possible without actually giving us anything to go by and without actually, um, you know, putting a proper opinion across. So what's the point in them? Like, I mean, I've got friends, right, that you know, sit down and, and watch the football at the weekend. And then we can spend ages and ages and ages in a WhatsApp group debating the decisions, going back and forward on this decision and that decision. And then, and, and these people, they end up like going on and watching Ref Watch like religiously and then taking it as gospel. Whatever they said on Ref Watch, oh, that must be the right thing. It's nonsense because they never, ever want to go in on their colleagues. They never, ever want to, highlight incompetence you don't have to say lee mason is an arsehole you don't have to personally attack the guy but you can be honest about the really bad decision that he's just made and you can be clear about the fact that he's got it horribly horribly wrong and i don't know why these people are afraid to do that so i know that's not what we're here to talk about today but i'm still annoyed about it 5 p.m um on monday it's still pissing me off it's still winding me up listening to people trying to justify it is winding me up I got really annoyed today when we were doing the 90 min show and people were piping up saying, oh, but what about Brian and Buemo's goal that got ruled out? Yeah, OK, you might think that that wasn't a foul by Brian and Buemo on Gabriel. 
It's a perfectly valid opinion to have. I did commentary on the game and I literally said in my commentary at the time, without having even seen a replay, that I thought that we were quite lucky to get away with that because it didn't look like there was an awful lot in that for me. But the point I made on 90 Min and the point I'll make over and over again is that that is a subjective decision. So you can argue that one one way or the other and you can make a case either way. So if you can make a case either way, I think you can at least understand and accept when those get given against you in a much easier way than when something as black and white as an onside or offside is given against you, especially when they've got the tools that they have today to be able to spot those things and to be able to deal with those things. So the two situations are incomparable. You know, if we were talking about a decision like that that cost Arsenal a goal, Obviously, I'd be upset about it probably because of my allegiances to my club. But I wouldn't be going big on it still on Monday at 5pm. I wouldn't be going on about it for the entire week. It wouldn't spill over in the way this one has because this is just clear and utter incompetence. And nobody is going to convince me that it's anything but that. Nobody's going to defend them and, you know, have my respect at the same time. It's a shocking call from a shocking referee who for years and years and years has got things wrong. Yet, is never held accountable and somehow still manages to keep hold of that job. Dermot Gallagher, and it wasn't Dermot Gallagher, I beg your pardon, it was the guy presenting on Sky, I, don't, I can't remember who it was, apologies for not remembering the name, but he said something to Dermot Gallagher like, Lee Mason, a VAR specialist. Somebody calling Lee Mason a VAR specialist is the most ridiculous thing I've probably ever heard in my entire life. It's shocking. It's so bad. Lee Mason, specialist, shouldn't be in the same sentence. And it's just saying specialist in failure or specialist at getting things wrong. Specialist at making a pig's ear of what he's supposed to do. Because, you know, that that's, that's the, the truth of it. And the reason I am being so sort of hard on Lee Mason is not because human errors don't happen. You know, human errors happen all the time in all walks of life. We all make them. We're all on the receiving end of them. Sometimes we all make them and cause problems for others at points. It's part and parcel of life, but this is incompetence. And this is someone who's been proven to not be able to do his job for a long, long time uh, now. And somehow people are still, uh, sort of defending him or making a case that he belongs in the Premier League and belongs, um, you know, in the VAR room or whatever. It's just not good enough. It really, really isn't. Anyway, um, let's move on from that. Let's talk about whether Arsenal have or have not become too predictable. Just a short edition of the pod today. I haven't got an awful lot to say on this because I'm going to do quite a bit of it on the preview as well. But um, I did want to address this because it is a debate that I've seen going around today quite a bit. And I wanted to just sort of have my say on it. Marky says, City are predictable. They've played the same uh, way ever since Pep arrived. Doing that won them four leagues in five years. Um, Henry says, we broke through their block. Um, we done what was needed. And the defence, uh, sorry, hold on. We broke through their block. The attack done what was needed. Um, other teams have tried this deep block as well. So I don't see how we've become predictable. Maybe we've just dropped a little bit of form. So 
where am I on this thing? So I said to you guys in my sort of reaction podcast to the Brentford game that maybe we had become a little bit too predictable in that we're always trying to create the overloads in the same area of the pitch. And that that is, has been something that both Everton and Brentford have figured out and both Everton and Brentford have worked on and both Everton and Brentford have got results as a as a result of doing it. Now, you can say that, uh, you know, the game on Saturday was one that, you know, panned out unfairly and that actually Brentford shouldn't have got anything from the game because their equalising goal was illegal. But if we're being really honest, and, and I think it's important that we're honest, and I think it's important that we recognise where we can be better in order to continue to improve as a team and continue on our journey, we have to recognise that Arsenal did struggle to break Brentford down at the weekend. Whatever happened with the VAR, whatever happened with that ridiculous decision, it's undeniable that Arsenal you know, struggled for large periods to break down Brentford in the same way that they struggled to break down Everton. And I keep talking about those half spaces in field. I keep talking about the areas that Odegaard and Xhaka like to get into and how we've utilised those areas so well throughout the duration of the season. But teams now are uh, quite happy for us to come inside. And they do that in the knowledge that they'll have bodies there to deal with the situation. And they'll do that in the knowledge that when we turn inside and there's nowhere to go, we will go back out wide. And given our lack of aerial threat, we're not going to get an awful lot of joy out of Ben White coming forward and crossing from the corner of the penalty area in towards the far post. We're not going to get a lot of joy from Alexander Zinchenko doing the same on the other side or Martinelli cutting in and doing the same from the left. We're just not going to get a lot of joy out of that. And we, I think, need to be a little bit more adaptable. We don't really have the personnel to play a little bit more direct. We don't really have the personnel to put balls into the penalty area. We've got Eddie Nketiah up front. It's not Olivier Giroud. And even if you took Eddie and Ketia out of the equation and you brought Gabriel Jesus in, I still don't think that changes an awful lot. I think Gabriel Jesus helps us to unlock these defences in a more effective way than Eddie and Ketia can because I think he's got more about him and his game just entails a lot more. But that's not to knock Eddie and Ketia. Eddie and Ketia is not the reason that we didn't break these two sides down anywhere near frequently enough. He's part of the issue, just like everybody else was on the day, but he's not... He shouldn't be the scapegoat is the point I'm trying to make here. And I've seen a bit of that online as well. And that's gotten under my skin because I think he's been a really good deputy for Gabriel Jesus, given where a lot of us thought he was and given where he actually is in terms of his level. I think we can all say that he's performing to a much better standard than most people expected. So I don't want to you know, throw shade at the boy. I don't want to be criticised, uh, critical of him. I beg your pardon. I don't think that's fair. But... Could we potentially look to unlock teams round the outside a little bit more? Could we potentially use our fullbacks in a different way? I think the problem we've got is that because they tuck in, they give us that stability uh, in order to deal with transitions. And if you then start changing that, we kind of go back to the Unai Emery slash Arsene Wenger days where we'd bomb our fullbacks right on. We then have to see our centre-backs split because if if we turn if the ball gets turned over and someone goes direct people are looking to or having to cover much bigger ground and then you go back to being quite vulnerable to the transition so the way arteta uses the fullbacks is partly because it works you look at the season so far you have to say overall it's worked but the second thing to that is that it protects us against the transition 
we can then defend the centre of the pitch first and foremost and force people wide if they break on us, meaning we get time to get people back and then ultimately defend the most important part of the pitch, which is the width of your penalty area. So there's defensive implications as well to using the fullbacks in a different way. There are implications on the level of stability that we have in the middle of the park if you then go for that more traditional approach and you send your fullbacks on the outside. Maybe we need to do it at times. Maybe we need to do it on one side. Maybe we need to just vary it up a little bit. Um, but what I would say, and this is kind of going to tie in with my Manchester City preview tomorrow quite nicely, is that the top managers in football, the elite managers, they have a way of playing. They believe in that. A lot of the time they believe in it because they've got a track record of success having implemented that style in that way. And off the back of that, their trust and belief in that system is so strong that they stick with it even in the difficult moments and overall they get the rewards. And I think it's really, really important now that whilst we might need to make the odd tweak here and there, um, whether that be Trossard for Martinelli at times, Tommy Asu for Ben White at times, whilst we may need to make little tweaks here and there, it's so, so important that Mikel Arteta holds his nerve and has the balls to say, no, this is our way. This is what's got us to a point where we're in the title race. This is what's got us to where we are today. And this is why we're going into a huge clash with Manchester City that many people are billing as a potential title decider. We're here because we play this way and we're here because that way works more often than not. And if you lose trust in your way and in your system and in your style, or you instruct your players to change that or veer away from that, at the first sign of trouble, then it kind of sends the message to the players and to everybody else that actually you yourself aren't 100% sure. And if you don't believe into it, how can you expect your players to buy into it? And how can you expect your players to trust in it? So for me, it's about holding our nerve now. It's about recognising that this style of football has got us to where we are today. And let's see it through. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Let's go and play against Manchester City and be brave and be bold and trust in our own game. And if we win our battles, then there's no reason why we can't beat them. And there's no reason why uh, we can't get back on the wagon and, and get back in form, um, you know, with, with this style of football. It's worked this this far. It's been great so far. It's been so brilliant on the eye. It's been incredibly effective when you look at the results overall. There's no need to panic right now. Is it a little bit predictable? Maybe predictable is the wrong word. People have had more time to study us and therefore people have had more time to come up with ways 
of combating it. And that's fair. But yeah, I think I think we've got to hold our nerve and we've got to stick with with what we know and and with what's working so far. And I want to see Arsenal go out there and take the game to Manchester City on um on Wednesday night. You know, I would take a draw in terms of the the bigger picture and in the grand scheme of things. But I also want to see Arsenal go out there and be brave and try to win the game because I tell you what, Manchester City aren't perfect. They're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. They're really not. We're not either. But we don't need to be perfect to win the league. You just need to be better than Man City. And um, and based on the season so far, we are. So why shouldn't we be confident? Why shouldn't we believe in ourselves? Anyway, um, let's go over to the comments and get some of your thoughts and some of your questions uh, on this. Uh, Sooty FM says, uh, H, if we don't win the league, I can see the fans turning on Arteta again and calling for him to be sacked. What are your thoughts? There will definitely be idiots out there saying that. Um, there will definitely be people who um, who will be that reactionary and who will jump on him um, if Arsenal fail to win the league. But the truth is that those same people didn't believe that Arsenal could win the league. And Arteta's given us, having built this really fantastic, exciting young team, the chance to dream and the chance to believe. And Arteta has already surpassed most people's expectations of Arsenal Football Club this season. And so let's get behind him. Let's support him. And and those people that turn at every bad result or those people that call for his head at the first sign of trouble, they, they, they're not Arsenal fans as far as I'm concerned. If you as an Arsenal fan can't see the progress that we've made under this guy and how far we've come and the fact that we are, you know, everybody's, everybody wants, most people outside of sort of, you know, our, our direct rivals are the Spurs and all that want to see us win the league because A, they don't want City to win it, but B, seeing a young Arsenal side do it with, I'm not going to say a modest spend because we have spent money, but, you know, doing it in the way that we have building gradually over three, four years, that's what people want. People want to believe and want to see that that is achievable and that that is possible again. And so people want to see him do well. <laughs> the PGMOL clearly don't. Um, and as I say, rival fans will, will feel differently. But I think the fact that people are talking about Arsenal, and I know a lot of people saying this, as the team they'd quite like to see the win in the league, despite not having an affiliation to us, is a great sign. It really, really is. Um, Mike, thank you for your donation. I can't believe you you paid money um, to, to ask this question. How is defending Edu in the window turning out? And he goes on to say, already making excuses if we bottle the league. Thanks for your donation. Uh, really, really appreciate it. I can't believe that you, you're that. Um, yeah, you wanted to poke the bear that much that you donated to ask that. Um, how is defending Edu in the window turning out? Well, Jorginho hasn't started a game and Leandro Trossard hasn't started a game. Um, so, well, Leandro Trossard started in the FA Cup. I beg your pardon. He started in the FA Cup. Um, but he hasn't started a Premier League game yet. He came on in a Premier League game the other day and scored what should have been the winning goal bar from a shocking performance from Lee Mason. So how has the window changed anything? It's the same team. It's the same hostile team that was playing before the window opened that is playing now. So to start pointing at the window, it's ridiculous. It's just like, what, what do you think you're watching? Like a kid playing FIFA, like bang, just go and buy this player, that player, this player, that player. Absolute nonsense. You've clearly got money to be thrown about though. Two pound to ask me um, how to, uh, defending Edu is turning out and two pounds to say that I'm already making excuses 
if we bottle the league. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, let's take it on. Uh, Adair says, does it feel like Saliba has been off since returning from the World Cup? Not blaming him for the weekend. Just feels like he's been a bit below his own standard since. I agree with that. I think that's a fair comment. I think that's a fair observation. And I said, um, I said that I felt Arsenal were going to even out at some point in terms of we were really punching above our weight. There was always going to be come a point where we sort of dipped a little bit or, or dropped down to more like the level that we probably expected to see from this team over the course of the season. And I've also said in previous shows that I felt that that was probably going to happen with Saliba. The way he performed prior to the World Cup was out of this world. Much, uh, He was at a much higher level than he has been at any point in his career, even at Marseille last season where he was getting all the plaudits. To come and do that in the Premier League in the first half of the season before the World Cup was fantastic. There was always going to come a point where that dipped slightly. I think Ivan Tony was fantastic at the weekend. I was watching him really, really closely and the movement and the strength and the physicality that he showed. I think he was great for Brentford. And, you know, I think Gabriel, who I think has been good on the other hand recently, uh, struggled to cope with Tony as well. So I'm not going to really sort of go in on him off the back of the Brentford game, but I, I agree with you overall that his standard has dropped a little bit. But again, is it his standard dropping or is it a levelling out? Because those are two different things. You know, sometimes players go out there and they play absolutely out of their skin. Saliba did that for like the first 15 or so games of the season. And yeah, now it's just leveled out a little bit and it was always going to happen. And I think the people that understand, you know, what is going on, understand the risks that come with having a really young team, understand where we were actually at and where we are actually at, I think accept that and get that and knew that it was coming and so are not surprised by it. The people that are now outraged at the fact that Arsenal have dropped points in a couple of games um, and the people that are outraged about what Saliba's performing like now, they're just looking for something to be annoyed about. Unfortunately, there's way too many of those people uh, out there and hiding behind being Arsenal fans. Uh, Temi says, I re read that more than half the Premier League referees are from Greater Manchester. Do you think this is influencing their decisions on the pitch? I mean... I've seen that as well. You know, we've we've heard that um, for the last couple of seasons now. And it's not ideal. Um, there's probably going to be even some unconscious bias when you come from a certain area, maybe, potentially. I don't know. Um, I, I want to be clear. I don't look at these referees and think they're match fixers. I just think they're so rubbish at their job. I, I really do. I just think that there's so much incompetence around that. You know, it it just supersedes anything else. It does feel feels strange to me that London is such a big metropolitan place. And, you know, there are so many people here, so many football clubs here, that football is such a big part of this city's identity. Yet there are no elite level referees, elite, I say elite in quote marks, uh, level referees from London. That That does feel strange to me. Um, Robert says, I agree with holding our nerve. I do think we're a little jaded, which possibly is affecting that confidence. All the players know what's expected of them. Uh, Mikel may need to swap some players around, even if he does freshen up the team. I think as long as, I think the principles have to stay the same. I think the, the identity has to stay the same because that's what's been drilled from the beginning of the season. Um, yeah. Uh, what else have we got in the chat? Uh, 
Henry makes a good point. He says, three games ago, Eddie scored two goals against Man United, and now people are saying he should be dropped. It's hilarious. It is, because people are flip-flops. That's what drives me mad. Uh, Halo says, what's more likely uh, to decide the winner of the match between Arsenal and Man City? Will it be work rate, quality of strikers, tactics? Is it a 50-50 chance or a Man City favourite? I don't see, I think in a game like this, right, form can go out the window. I know that's one of those old football cliches, but I don't understand why so many Arsenal fans think that we're going to get beat now. Have a bit of confidence. Back your team, believe in your team. We've been incredible at the Emirates Stadium this season. We just drew a game and you'd think we'd lost by the reaction. We just drew a game because we were robbed of those two points, not because we didn't do enough to win the game. So, yeah, like, I think that it is very much 50-50. I think we should believe as much as they'll believe. I think know-how experience is something that they have the upper hand on. And I think they are normally a little bit more clinical in and around the box. And that's my worry. They might create half the chances, but take them. You know, don't know what the situation is with Erling Haaland at the moment, but we know what a lethal finisher he is. Um... Let's take it on. Uh, Thunder Road says, let's speak out against the racial abuse Ivan Tony received after the Arsenal match. Absolutely. Those are not Arsenal fans as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I talk about people posing as Arsenal fans. Anyone who's ever been to Arsenal, and it's one of the reasons why I would say a lot of, you know, immigrant families such as my own uh, ended up having an affiliation to Arsenal when they moved to the North London areas is because of how welcoming it is as a football club and because of how diverse it is as a football club in that there are lots of cultures, there are lots of, um, you know, different ethnicities all brought together by um, by that football club. I don't think that we as a football club have, in terms of the people that go to matches, and, it, I, you know, I can't speak for every person online hiding behind God knows what profile picture, but I don't think we as a football club have a, a, a racism issue in the way that some of the other English football clubs do and some of the London clubs do because it is a problem in London, despite London being, as I said earlier, so cosmopolitan. Um, you know, there are, did I say metropolitan earlier? Was that, those two words confuse me. Anyway, there is such a, a diverse group of people in and around Arsenal Football Club. I, I look at this and I think this is just a group of idiots online. It's not to dismiss it or the severity of it, but I don't look at, like, I don't go to the Emirates and think we've got a problem with this. I think that this is idiots online. And unfortunately, uh, Ivan Tony's been on the receiving end of that. Look, look, I'm not his biggest fan. I don't like the way he conducts himself sometimes, but he doesn't deserve that. And, and I think we should speak out. And I'm glad that Arsenal have come out and said they're going to do what they can to help try and find... Um, you know, they're going to try and find the culprits and, and punish them. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to take, I think, one or two more. Um, uh, Avic, it says, uh, my worry for Wednesday is we do not play for the occasions. Last year, we had a similar situation versus Spurs away, and we just had to not lose that game, and we lost. I hope the lessons learned. Yeah, I mean... You're always going to look back at previous examples and you're going to have scars and wounds from those, aren't you, that are going to, you know, impact the way you feel going into these types of games. Arsenal are a much better team today than they were a year ago. Um, that is clear for everybody to see. And as much as we're worried about this game, you, what, you think City fans aren't? 
You think City fans aren't looking at this thinking, my God, we're going away from home against the top team in the league. A team who, if they beat us, move six points clear of us with a game in hand, making it potentially nine. This is not a must win for Arsenal. This is a must not lose. For City, it's a must win. And the pressure is on them. Now, I know they're better equipped maybe to handle that because of the experience and the positions they've been in before. But this is not a one-sided thing. This is not Manchester City coming to Emirates expecting to win. They'll be just as nervous, just as concerned. And as I say, they're the ones that really desperately can't afford uh, to lose this game more than anybody else. Uh, Going to take a couple more before I... Um, I uh, I walk off into the sunset. As I say, tomorrow morning, we'll bring you the full uh, full preview for the Manchester City game. Delisu says, Harry, do you think it's time for Trossard to start ahead of Martinelli? I'm not sure. I think Martinelli's game will be suited to the way that uh, that City are going to play because they like to invert their fullbacks. I think there'll be a lot more space on that side for Martinelli to run into. I think that's what he needs. I think Trossard is a little bit more tricky and has a little bit more guile in those tight situations. But I think Martinelli, when there's grass around uh, to run into, I think he's, he's going to thrive. And I think he'll be good against City um, on uh, on on Wednesday. I keep saying Tuesday. Why do I keep doing that? Amira said, I felt watching on TV that the Brentford game was the first time there were proper nerves in the stadium. Did you feel that or was it just me? Stadium needs to be a real fortress on Wednesday. I thought, there were, you, I thought you could feel it at certain points. Um, but... I thought overall the atmosphere was still really positive. I mean, I thought just before the goal, it got to a really high level. Um, and and that helped us break the deadlock at that point. I think the stadium has been incredible. I don't think anybody can have any complaints about the mood and atmosphere within the stadium. I think everybody's been right behind the team from the get-go at every match this season. I've been to all the home games. I've been at every single one. And um, and I think the atmosphere every single time has been so much better than it has been in previous years, and I look forward to um, I look forward to seeing that type of atmosphere again, um, on uh, on Wednesday night. I nearly said Tuesday again. Uh, right, I'm going to leave it there um, because I'm still being a little bit protective of my throat, uh, given that I'm working on the game on Wednesday. Um, and uh, I've got a busy week coming up as well. But wanted to get a podcast out. Uh, as I say, preview of the City game coming tomorrow. I'll get it out nice and early um, because I'm at an event tomorrow night, so I won't be able to do it later in the day. So let me get it out nice and early tomorrow, give it plenty of time for you guys to uh, take it in. We'll talk predictions. We'll talk starting lineup. Uh, we'll talk about what we can expect from Manchester City, look at the statistics around the fixture. We'll break it all down. And, uh, and then, of course, we'll be back. Uh, on the Another Slice platform for our premium members with the player ratings after the full-time whistle, followed by uh, the Reaction podcast in full, either on Wednesday night, depending what time I get back from Emirates Stadium, uh, or because it is a 7.30 kickoff, so I might get home at a reasonable hour this time, or uh, we'll do it first thing on Thursday morning, but I'll keep you guys updated via social media don't forget to leave uh, a like on the video don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're new and i will see you all soon until next time goodbye i'm martin tyler and you're listening to harry Simeon.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 